It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Happy New Year from your friendly neighborhood minor league baseball podcast. Uh, 2024 has arrived and we're set to give you some resolutions and talk about what's coming up this year and probably just go off on a whole bunch of random tangents and make fun of each other and do all the things you've come to know and love and expect uh, as we embark on our ninth year of doing the show before the show podcast. God, it's wild. Tyler Mon, Benjamin Hill, Sam Dykstra, the... Uh, your your neighborhood trio has returned. The triumvirate has returned. Gents, what's going on? Hi, Tyler. Happy New Year. Happy Can we New still Year, say that? Samuel. Is Larry David just going to like come on this podcast and tell us we can't say that anymore? It's I- only the fourth. I feel like we can get away with it. I feel like for the first week, you're okay. Especially when it is a first episode. Of right. Something. It's a like, fir- It's our first interaction of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's how I believe. That's how I look at it. Um, the first week back in the office or to whatever constitutes a greater sense of normalcy in your life. That first week back through the weekend is, is all good. And you know what? Here's the thing. People can do whatever they want. <laughs> they, they just, they really can. So if you want yeah. to new year on January 31st, February 6th, March 11th, go for it. I once got happy new year in March. Uh, I'm assuming that he adopted that for a curb episode also, right? There was yeah. a Seinfeld episode where Jerry makes that joke. And I, I have a vague recollection of a curb episode with the same. Yes. There is a clip that went around, I believe yesterday. Um, oh, oh, okay. Oh, uh, like Larry David has decreed. This is the last day you can do it. And listen, I love Larry David. Uh, I wish him all the best, especially in this year. It'll be the last season of curb. Yeah, the last season of curb. Yeah, if I was living my life according to Larry David rules, I would be a lot more manic and have a lot less hair. So that's true. Um, I mean, some of us are we're just fighting to keep whatever we're clinging to some scraps of hair that we got, Sam. So we can't all have Sam Dykstra and Benjamin Hill hair. Goodness gracious! No, I'm my resolution is uh, is to be better about not envying hair. Uh, well, <laughs> speaking of resolutions, uh, that's where we're headed on this week's episode of the show before the show podcast, as with the 2024 minor league baseball season coming up quick, uh, we're going to give you our resolutions for, uh, not just the minor league baseball season, but things about minor league baseball that we would like to see in this new year. We're going to hear from, uh, MILB and MLB pipeline staff members. We'll also hear, uh, from some fans, at least the ones who submitted appropriate responses. Uh, gents, uh, Sam, I know that we are like the world's biggest patrons of the random.org, uh, order generator. So we're gonna, we're gonna dive in. We're going to do this as a round table. The three of us will give one of our resolutions, then we'll hear from a minor league staff member uh, or an MLB pipeline staff member who will give us theirs, and uh, and we're going to keep that going. Let's let's fire it off, Sam. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit different than what we've done some of our shows recently, where it's been all of us giving our entire picks. Last last episode we had it was 
giving everything we were thankful for in the year. And then gratitude guys was all of us focused on one point. This is going to just going to be one resolution or goal for 2024 at a time. I have the random.org. It's surprisingly not, didn't auto complete. Uh, You would think considering we are keeping this business afloat, we would have done that. But yeah, what's that all about? Our three names are entered. Part two is go hit randomize. Our order will be Tyler. You are going first. Wow. I feel like that's the first time random.org has decided that it will go Tyler, Ben, and then me. And then we'll pivot to our, one of our coworkers. Okay. Yeah, like TBS. It. TBS. There we go. Yeah, Easy to like, remember. Just like an Atlanta Braves game in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm going to kick things off on uh, this week's episode of the show before the show with my resolution for 2024, which is that uh, my first resolution, which is that we uh, find more cool and inventive places to play minor league baseball games as we have done over the last couple of seasons. The Field of Dreams game a couple of years ago, Rickwood Field will play host to not only a minor league game, but a major league game this year. Uh, And I say... Let's not stop there, man. There are still uh, a handful of Negro Leagues parks that exist across the country, Rickwood Field obviously being one of them. Uh, but Hamtramck, Michigan, which is a, a place that I never know how to pronounce. Hamtramck, how do you say that? Ben, I feel like you know the pronunciation of that. I should, but I don't. Isn't it yeah, I don't either. K-M-T-R-A-N-C-K or C-K, something? yeah. Hamtramck. We need a Michigander to weigh in on that. Uh, but that stadium is still standing, built in 1930. Hinchcliffe Stadium in Patterson, New Jersey, which was recently uh, restored and uh, now is playing host to an independent league team as well as to uh, area high school athletics in Patterson, New Jersey. Um yeah. Those places, need. I, I feel like we need some more games there. Let's send some minor league teams to some of these cool places. I know that we've got, you know, teams that are at least close enough to the Detroit area and to Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, let's make that happen. That's one thing I want to see in 2024 is more minor league games and more cool, random old venues. Uh, one thing that I would really love to see is uh, in Indianapolis, there is a uh, place that was once a ballpark. Uh, historic Bush Stadium that is now uh, an apartment building. Uh, Bush Stadium, they kept the uh, the playing surface for Historic Bush Stadium, and they renovated the former ballpark into what are called stadium lofts. Just play a game on that field. I think it'd be awesome. The only people who could go, I guess, would be like the people who live in the lofts and like their friends. I think that'd be sweet. Play a game there. I think it'd be awesome. That reminds me so much of what was it, MVP baseball? Yes. Triple play baseball. What Triple play baseball. Thousands. Yeah. Where you would just like play in a living room. Yeah. You just be in somebody's room like it was Andy from Toy Story. Exactly. Terrific. Uh, yeah, man. I, I think it just be backyard great. baseball. It would just yeah. be backyard baseball in reality. That's Pretty great. much. Um, so that's my uh that's my first one. Um, let's have some more games and some more fun places. I think that's uh that'll be a bunch of fun. Gents, your thoughts. Yeah. No. Right. Well, I like that idea a lot. Um, you know, not to throw cold water on it. it Here we go. Old buzz. No, killing just, so much of it comes down to the, you know, rather stringent uh, facility standards. Right. So um, I love thinking about all the great places that could play, but then the amount of investment, um, both from, you know, made the team major league baseball and in a lot of cases, you know, the community in which this place is located is a you know tremendous uh, um, cost. And I think it's worth the cost in a lot of cases, but yeah. um, it makes the actual reality of it 
fairly limited, but I a little more challenging on board with what you're saying. Um, and we're going to see it at Rickwood this year. And yeah, like you said, we saw the field of dreams and it's just, it's just great for baseball, great for minor league baseball and a great way to celebrate history and, and just create a marquee event. And I think minor league baseball needs that just as much as, um, you know, any, any other sport. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, minor league baseball and major league baseball have the history that no other sport can lean into the same way. And the embrace of that has been very cool over recent years. Sorry, Sam, I cut you off. No, no, I just, you know, kind of pivoting off what Ben is saying, just keeping those gears turning. I mean, it, yeah, we might not necessarily get another one this year and then might take some investment, but like, let's get some announcements that, that those investments are being made. The excitement around Rickwood, and we'll hear more about that later from one of our coworkers, uh, has been huge and very exciting. And I know the people of Birmingham are very excited for an MLB level event to come there and a minor league level event uh, to come there beyond just the Barons. Uh, other communities are, are starved for that stuff. So let's, let's keep those gears turning. Let's keep that investment going. And, you know, maybe if it's, even if it's just an announcement that a couple more big games are coming in 2025, that would be tremendous to keep that momentum moving. I like it. All right. Random.org. Who we got up next? I believe it's the B part of the, uh, TBS equation, which would be me, Ben, Ben Hill, for those keeping score at home. Uh, I'm going to start with one, a goal. It's something, it involves all three of us, and it's something we've talked about in the past, so I want to get the discussion going again, say it's an actual goal, is to do a on-location show-before-the-show podcast episode at a minor league ballpark. Uh, we could all do you know, our own separate interviews you know, based on our interests and areas of expertise as different segments, you know, record an episode, maybe on, you know, on the concourse or, you know, somewhere in the ballpark. Um, Obviously we can only probably do this once. So the amount of people who could attend, who listen to the show would probably be limited, but, you know, do it in a place where we're inviting other people to show up, have a little meetup with whoever can show up, whether that's two people or, you know, thinking big picture, at least 2000. And, um, and really do at it at a bare you, minimum. At the bare we minimum, we get less than two thousand. I'm going to be very angry with whoever organizes this event. Just want yeah. you all to know. So it brings the question: like, where do we do this? When do we do this? And it's why we have to start talking about it now, thinking about it now. Um, but you know, we all travel for our jobs in various capacities. Um, and if there's just some place that we can uh, link up and 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 make it a thing and and do it on location, I think it'd be great for this podcast. And and uh, yeah, great to get whoever can show up to it. Um, great to meet people and maybe include them in the episode as well, um, depending where it is. So if you have suggestions, you the listener, uh, where we should go, you know, give us a pitch because I think sometimes we just need a nudge. We're like, oh, this person cared enough to write us an email or uh, you know get in touch in some way. All right, we got to do it now. We're obligated. <laughs> And we can forward that to our bosses being like, see, there is the demand out there. This is a binding contract, a exactly. binding social contract. Yeah. Once it's written in email ink, I mean, that's, that's yeah. permanent. Exactly. That holds up in court. Yeah. So I, I would love that. I mean, uh, we've been talking about doing that for years. We have uh, been. I mean, kind of put the brakes on that. And 2021 travel was a little different. 2022 was getting our feet back under us. 2023 was full go. Now let's, let's extend that and. There yeah. needs to be a team's resolution to host a the show before the show night. How's nobody done that yet? Yeah, I mean, if you work for a minor league baseball team, I know yeah. what you do out there. I mean, there you go. That pretty much would seal the deal. First team to pitch us on show before the show night. Uh, yeah. Ballpark, uh, 
we'll we could field do. proposals like uh, it's an episode of Shark Tank. Like we could get a whole bunch of teams in, you know, flinging their various ideas at us. We've already got a season of pro and on field between inning competitions in Ben Hill. Uh, you know, like we know the ropes. We know the ropes of this stuff. Yeah, and we'll say yes to almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> that is our pitch to you, yeah. the team out there that wants us to show up. We will say yes to everything. <laughs> almost everything. Almost everything. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Got to have a little qualifier in there just in case. You never know. No. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam, you're up. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to kind of go I think chronologically here. Uh, but I'm going to start with the spring breakout that is coming uh to spring training. This spring from March 14th to March 17th, we talked about it in the past. Uh, It's a new initiative for Major League Baseball, putting prospects center stage in the middle of spring training, Um, you know, because that's that's typically a time of the year where things kind of slow down. The the excitement of pitchers and catchers reporting wears off the Grapefruit League and Cactus League guys are kind of still rotating through. They're just getting their reps. Let's let's inject a little excitement here. And I think if we can get the spring breakout off to a strong start. Some real interests, some real key matchups, like we talked about in the past, with you know the potential for Jackson Holiday to go against Paul Skeens. Uh, the two Chicago teams are matching up. Let's get Cade Horton against uh, Colson Montgomery. If this thing stru- starts out on a real strong foot, it's possible for expansion. You know, hearing from execs across the league, some people want it to be a tournament, and I would love it for it to be a for it to be a tournament, not necessarily a spring breakout thing, but maybe an in-season tournament of some set, some way, uh, kind of like what the NBA is doing. Who knows? Like the, the potential for this is limitless, but let's get off to a strong start. Let's really lean into this thing and make it the best thing we can be cover it really well. Um, I'm excited to potentially be down there for a couple of these games, see it for myself in, in person, but the more interest that it gets, the bigger it can become. And I think this is the start of something really special. So I would love to see Spring Breakout become a big deal in its first uh, inaugural edition. I like that idea. Um, the fact that the NBA did something so unorthodox and so outside the box. I wasn't a huge fan of the in-season tournament, but I know uh, a lot of people were. Well, I shouldn't say that. I was I was fine with the tournament, but the idea that uh, you cheapen the value of your own championship by, you know, like letting the Lakers hang a banner for winning this inconsequential thing. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But what it did do, I think, was it opened people's eyes to like, oh, yeah, there is room for creativity in sports to do fun stuff like this. Uh, and I like that idea. Um, so, Sam, a good one. Um, okay. Now we head to a uh, staff member. Uh, from our cohort of colleagues, who are we going with first? How are we leading this off? Who is who's got the chops to bat lead off from the staff? Yeah, well, this one I think pivots pretty nicely from what you were talking about, Tyler. Uh, and it's somebody who has been on the show before, so let's you know let's bring a familiar voice on here first. Here is uh, MLB Pipeline and MILB.com's own Kelsey Hennigan. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, Kelsey Hennigan here. In 2024, I am most looking forward to the games to be played at Rickwood Field. 
If you're not familiar, Rickwood Field is the oldest playable professional ballpark in the world, and it was home to the Birmingham Black Barons of the Negro Leagues. There's so much history to celebrate in this park, both of black baseball and Alabama baseball history. 17-year-old Alabama native Willie Mays played there, and he will be at the center of many of this year's festivities. Legends like Jackie Robinson, Ernie Banks, Babe Ruth, Roberto Clemente, and so many more played in these hallowed grounds. For the better part of the last 30 years, the Birmingham Barons have played a throwback game at the park called the Rickwood Classic. And this year it's getting a big league twist with the Major League Giants and Cardinals also taking part of a new version of this event. Um, this is a chance to continue the connection between MLB and MILB that was forged at the Field of Dreams events. That 2022 iteration was such a wonderful example of bringing the major league and minor league stages together. And that's something that I'm really excited about um, as MLB and MILB work closer together is having more events where there's both an MLB and MILB component to it. Um, this year, the White Sox AA club, the Birmingham Barons, will be playing against the Rays affiliate Montgomery Biscuits. Um, they'll be at Rickwood on June 18th. The Major League game will be on June 20th. And no matter which prospects will be in that minor league game, I'm sure it'll be a special time seeing everyone in the throwback uniform, seeing the old school um, grandstands and the, the scoreboards. It's just a really special sight. So I'm excited for it. So throughout the show, we will be hearing from our MILB and MLB pipeline uh, colleagues, their resolutions for 2024. And uh, that brings us back to me. As uh, I don't know how much this one can be considered a resolution, but it is a resolution, I guess, for uh, an organization more than it is for minor league baseball at large. But my second 2024 resolution is for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim to finally put something together that gets Mike Trout into the postseason from a prospect and building from within uh platform this has been a, a obviously very rough uh i don't know decade plus now for angels fans you lose shohei otani over the offseason right now the angels have one top 100 prospect uh coming out of 2023 i just like who doesn't want to see that happen for mike trout and it would be so much more gratifying as a baseball fan if angels fans got to experience it from like oh yeah look at all these guys we were able to bring along to help mike trout into the postseason get this thing to the next step I don't know how likely that is that it's going to happen, but that's my second uh, minor league baseball resolution for 2024. Just do something right. Angels. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I do like that. And it I'm sure it would generate all sorts of Patrick Ewing theories about right. of like, right. you let go of your superstar and you immediately bounce back. Uh, you talk about building from a farm system point of view. Nolan Shanuel was their first round pick last year. Uh, got to the majors quicker than anybody else in that draft class was just saying something faster than Wyatt Langford, faster than Dylan Cruz, faster than Paul Skeens. Um, so that, that was interesting from that point of view. He'll probably graduate pretty quickly, but there are some interesting names underneath there. Caden Dana, Nelson Rada. Uh, I think Nelson Rada has a chance to be a top 100 prospect at some point this year. Uh, just an 18-year-old outfielder already with some single-A experience. The Angels are also drafting eighth overall. And given their recent history, Whoever they draft there, you might think like we'll get to the majors pretty quick because they're not unwilling to uh, to push guys if they think they're ready. Shanuel looked it, uh, had that on base streak that I believe is still ongoing uh, heading into the offseason. So there are some interesting pieces. I, 
are they going to do it? I don't know. It would certainly come as a surprise, but you know, like you said, there should be a pitch or a a uh, movement in Anaheim to to get Mike Trout to the playoffs again. Just like, let's, do something right. Yeah, I like I like the concept. Anyways. It's optimistic, you know, in a good way. They do also have uh, a guy who I'm very excited to see. Hopefully, make it to the big league level uh, with a lot of you know consistency and hype. Uh, he did pitch in 12 games in a relief role last year. But Ben Joyce, who is currently ranked as their number seven prospect, uh, he threw 105 in college at JUCO. Now, granted, he had Tommy John after that. Then he went to Tennessee. Uh, still very good. He was a third round pick in 2022. But like. Yeah, I want to see a dude throw 105. Let's just talk and he has one it. of my favorite nicknames in all minor league baseball, the Volunteer Fireman. I know. That's outstanding. The yeah. Volunteer Fireman, it's got a Tennessee tie. It's got a reliever tie. I like it. Um. So anyway, Angels. Sorry, Angels fans. I didn't mean to just like pile on. Talk about catching a stray. Oh, New Year's resolutions. Do something good, Angels. Um. All right, Ben, you're up. I am up. I'm going to say something here that I've said in the past, and it's it's not a big thing. It's not revolutionary, but a goal for me this year that I said last year that I didn't really do as good of a job as I thought is to you know up my game on social media, but particularly Instagram. Um, I think I was such a creature of Twitter for so many years, and it just appealed to me more you know inherently, just the use of words. Um, but I feel like I'm leaving a lot on the table, especially with Instagram, with like going live, you know, maybe just opening old packs of baseball cards I have in my house, sharing, you know, random minor league souvenirs I find in a box in my closet. Um, you know, of course, um, all the road trip content, I do share a lot more on Instagram when I'm on the road. Um, but, you know, really going through and and taking the time to put together, you know, reels of a certain visit or, you know, to put like a you know reel of highlights, food highlights together. Uh, I just feel as the years go on, I'm leaving kind of quite a large audience um, underserved in terms of growing my quote unquote brand um, by not doing those kind of things. And I think the difficulty for me is like just doing this job for so many years. It's like, well, I write first and foremost. And then, uh, you know, I use Twitter in conjunction with that to get the word out, you know, just in piecemeal about little things that are going on. And then we do the podcast and now I have the newsletter and Instagram and social, other social media stuff just seems to be the last thing I consider and the easiest one not to do. But uh, I'm really going to try to change that. So hold me accountable. And uh, hey, Gen Z, if you have any tips for for me, uh, I'm more of a Gen X kind of dude, help me out because I do get uh, frustrated pretty easily. Uh, I'm not an old man, but I'm not a young man either. Yeah, it describes me. Way too well. I think I am just an old man, though. Uh, I'm not nearly not nearly cool enough to be hanging around in this podcast. And yet still, somehow you guys let me do it from week to week. All right, Sam. I, li- I like the idea. I know he's not Gen Z. He's technically Gen Alpha. But I want, like, Harry to help you out with this. Yeah, Gen I, I, Alpha? I, 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 that's I, what the I, next one is? Gen yeah. Alpha? We're, wow. we're going back around now, but we're going to Greek letters. Yeah, I think Harry's probably Weird. from a generation that hasn't even really been given a name yet he's probably even like post alpha beta beta nobody know? wants to be gen beta gen that's not i was either. gonna say do we really have to go with alpha and beta like in in 2023 like or whatever year it is now 2024 like what a uh we've we've heard enough of those terms it feels like over the last few years who knows but it will be uh not too long before certainly my son is uh doing laps around me with that kind of thing but uh he's not even three years old yet so um 
still a little time in which I can destroy him in terms of social media functionality. <laughs> this, is, this is the year you get reps. Yeah, exactly. He's going to go exponentially quicker and catch up to you on IG at some point. Yeah. This is the year you need to build the reps yourself. Yeah, I'll be in middle school taunting him about how I have more followers than him. I'm looking. <laughs> um, all right, Sam, who do you plan on taunting and trying to beat up as a small child? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know if I'll p- quite put it that way, but I one of my goals for this is a personal goal for me this year. And I know it's a, a goal of a lot of people is to increase the amount of trips you go on and, and to get out to new places. So for me, that's going to be at a West Coast trip this year. We we expanded the MLB pipeline game of the month last year. We went a little bit further into the south um, with places like Louisville and Nashville and Biloxi and Amarillo, Texas. Um the West Coast is a place we haven't betting yet for those trips, and I want to hit at least one of them, one spot on the West Coast. Uh, and I'm not talking like is is El Paso the West Coast? Like that's obviously not true. Let's go all the way uh, to the Pacific in, in some way. There are a lot of good teams out that way, a lot of good prospects, um, uh, places I haven't seen yet before. You know, one of my dreams is to someday go on a Northwest League road trip, start in Oregon, work my way north, finish in Vancouver. Um, I think that would be really gorgeous, you know, especially in the late summer. I don't know if we're going to do that as a game of the month type deal, but let's at least get out there uh, and bring that product out out west. So my guarantee to you in some way is that we will be on the West Coast, whether it's myself, one of the other MLB pipeline uh, team members. I want us to get out there next year. So that that'll be the next extension of the pipeline game of the month. I like that. That seems like a fun one as well. Um, All right. Who's up next? Our next uh, contribution, speaking of members of the MLB Pipeline team, uh, is Jim Callis, who I believe we had on a get- as a guest. Like, we did. Where we worked together, which was a lot of fun. Um, Tyler, I, c- I can't remember exactly what the debate was, but it was a debate over who had the best pitching farm system in baseball. Uh, because you wrote the story and I edited it. And you did. You changed it from uh, you changed it from the White Sox. I put the White Sox as number one, and you changed it to uh, Atlanta because yes. I kept saying uh, the Atlanta employee Sam Dykstra will take over for next segment of the show before the show podcast. Um, yeah, that's uh, I. You know, I wanted to get the people talking, Sam, and I was overruled by your uh, dictatorial ways yeah well but then I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that jim agreed with you that he was like i think he did i think the white Sox and now we're co-workers so look at that <laughs> and, uh, yeah that uh, should be one of your resolutions is to be less dictatorial yeah sam no yeah. they're my resolutions yeah. Yeah, we call him the sam authoritarian i will dictate my resolutions how i wish thank you more like sam dictate i struck no, that's a that's a road you don't want to go down. <laughs> it didn't work Just at all. Be very careful. Uh, Jim Callis, <laughs> your resolution, sir. Happy New Year to everyone. This is Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. And my resolution, what I want to see happen in 2024, is I think we have a potentially special year in terms of debuts. And I want Major League teams to make this happen. On opening day, I want to see Jackson Churio and Junior Caminero and Evan Carter and Colton Kowser. And if not on opening day, then early in the season, I want to see Jackson Holiday and Jordan Lawler and Pete Crow Armstrong. I want to see the potentially special top of the 2023 draft class, Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford. I want to see them in the big leagues pretty quick. And maybe we have to wait a little bit, but I'm hoping we see James Wood and Jackson Merrill, Marcelo Meyer as well. I could go on and on and on, but that's uh, that's my resolution for 2024. 
it is very cool that we get to work with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo and those guys now. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. I remember running into Jim uh, at an Arizona Fall League game way back in the the pipeline slash Milb era. We were kind of two separate. We were two ships passing in the night, and Jim said, I really wish that we did a lot more together because I love the work that you guys do. And now we get to do all that, which is very fun. So a big thanks to Jim for stopping by. Um, all right, resolution number three. You guys each went with kind of personal uh, minor league baseball resolution. So I'm going with my last one, which is my own personal resolution, which is I went to finally attend the Brooklyn Cyclone Seinfeld night in 2024. That has been on my minor league baseball bingo card since they started doing Seinfeld night. Uh, my best friend from here, Nate Kreckman, uh, is the thing that we bonded over most in our lives when we became friends early on with Seinfeld. And Nate and I last year, after uh, we talked Seinfeld night uh, on the show, I sent Nate a text and I was like, hey, man, uh, we got to make this happen next year. We got to we got to do a, a thing where we make the trip and we hang out with, you know, Billy Harner of the Brooklyn Cyclones who came on the show to, to talk about Seinfeld night. And we got to we got to actually make this Seinfeld night thing happen. So that is my resolution. 2024. I want to be there for Seinfeld night. Uh, and that's that's happening. Oh, this is happening. Are you expecting special treatment when you do this? Like using some ins and just getting whatever premium bobblehead they have? Or are you going to be a man of the people and line up all the way down, you know, this huge line wrapping around Surf Avenue? You know, I think I want to be a man of the people. I don't think I want I don't think I want special treatment on Seinfeld night. I think it's that is such a it's a democratized event in the minor league baseball world. I'll wear my puffy shirt and my and my black 90s jeans. Uh, you know, I'll get some white high top sneakers. Uh, I'm not doing the Elaine dance. I'm not going to do that because I don't I don't I wouldn't even fit in the cadre of uh, fantastic dancers that they had last year who took part in that. But, yeah, I think I just want to hang out with all my fellow nerds uh, while we await the bobblehead. I don't even know what the bobblehead will be next year, but I'm excited just in anticipation. of it. Yeah. Or or uh, just a bunch of. Uh dudes who uh, are going to wait in line just to flip it on eBay later. Oh yeah, that's true. You're like what? I don't care about Seinfeld. I'm just going to sell this thing for 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well maybe I am going to try to get some special treatment. <laughs> <laughs> um, good at gatekeeping, but like you should be able to answer a very first base Seinfeld question. Yeah, that's a very yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, like you can only get the bobblehead if you are able to yeah, like answer what uh what did the lady ask George? in the in the car in central park if it was his uh inside and it was an orthopedic back pillow you have to know if if orthopedic back pillow was the answer then you get the bobblehead if not get to the back of the line because you're not flipping this thing on ebay gross or go study go watch that or go watch that's a late one that's like season eight go watch it go watch that all right ben you're up all right yeah well we have been talking of sam well both of us you were talking about going to Brooklyn Tyler, Sam was talking about making to the West Coast. Um, I have a particular ballpark-related travel goal this year, and that is go to a stadium in a professional context that I've never been to before. You know, this is hard for me because I have been to every ballpark, um, active affiliated ballpark. Uh, 2023 was the first year in which I had nowhere new to get to. And that's going to be the case in 2024. No new affiliated ballparks are opening in 2024. Uh, I think, you know, as this decade progresses, we'll see quite a few um, you know, later in the decade. Um, but 
you know, even though we cover mostly or pretty much all affiliated, you know, I think there's some wiggle room with, um, you know, a team that's a partner league team, Indy or summer collegiate, um, maybe as part of a larger road trip where I'm visiting affiliated teams just to also swing by a partner league team um, that I've never been to. I don't know what that is, but I just want the experience again for the first time in a number of years of saying, wow, this is a, a new ballpark and learning as I go. Cause I, I love, you know, revisiting ballparks and, um, been doing this long enough that in some cases I'm getting to a ballpark I haven't been to in a decade. So there's still a lot to, you know, see and do and cover when I haven't been to a place in a long time, but I just want to, you know, expand the territory a little bit and find a room, um, in this season, uh, to visit a place that maybe is not affiliated, but falls under the larger umbrella of partner leagues and, uh, you know, see how that goes and see what we can do with that. That's pretty cool. There, and I was just racking my brain for like what partner league, but I would really like to do. Sam was talking about the the Northwest League road trip. I would really like to do a Pioneer League road trip where you make it up through Montana and Idaho, and um, I think that'd be a pretty cool one as well. All right, Sam, that's a, such a beautiful area of the country. I've been to yeah. Pioneer League, you know, when it was affiliated, but now speaking of the West Coast, we've got the Oakland Ballers in the uh, yeah Pioneer League as well as a, the Bees, yeah, the Oakland Bees as well as a to-be-announced uh, team in the Pioneer League that will also play in the more Northern California type of region. Um, so, yeah, there's some new new spots to visit out there for sure, and the Pioneer League is is worth it. Hit up Great Falls. Hit up Missoula. Hit up Billings. Uh, Ogden. Billings. Ogden. Idaho Falls. Those are, yeah, those are a lot of spots that I would like to stop. I think that would be very cool. The drives in between are often spectacular. All right, Sam, number three from the uh, – dictatorial mind of sam dykstra uh well i actually want to circle back on on what you said about going to the cyclones game because i like to imagine you know you have two places to stay you could stay with ben or you could stay with me right or i know you have family in the york city area but let's keep this to us too like come on now (laughs) we live in brooklyn and i like the idea of putting you in prospect park and just like a dog just trying to decide who you're going to run towards between the two of us you're just both calling for me come on come on and then um, we post that on Ben's Instagram, and then we're yeah, oh, look at this. There we go. Yeah, look at we're this. accomplishing so many things. Yeah, we got to have some mashups of these. Yeah. yeah, we could just do the show before the show podcast from Seinfeld night. I think that's the ultimate. <laughs> I think that'd be amazing, especially yeah. if it was uh, you know on the on the calendar for whichever Seinfeld characters arrive that night. If they stop by and do an interview, that would make it even better. Yeah, the problem with that is that is such a huge event in its own right that it wouldn't be enough about us. <laughs> ah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We need it all to be – the spotlight needs to be firmly focused on the three of us. Yeah, that's yeah. what this comes down to. We can do that as like an ancillary thing, but it's after our egos have been satiated. We need yeah, someone yeah, to do the show before the show night at their ballpark. And, yeah, and then we can entertain these other offers. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, my my third resolution, uh, which is going to be very different, but it is kind of personal to my work, uh, is one of the fav- my favorite things that I've started the last few years are these pitching labs. That's what we call them, uh, the MLB Pipeline Pitching Lab, talking to pitchers normally on the road, uh, but maybe you know we expand that a little bit this year, do it over Zoom or something. But it's one of my favorite series to do because you talk to guys about the nuts and bolts and you can see them get excited. I go back to talking to Jackson Job. Uh, at the Arizona Fall League about his stuff and his slider's always been really good and kind of getting him on the record about why it's good, what he does to to get that 3,000 plus RPM spin rate uh, and having him say like, hey, listen, 
I know my fastball wasn't good. Here's what I'm doing to improve it. These it's stuff that these guys are working on every day. And it's not just generic questions about like, what are your goals? What are you trying to do to get to the major leagues? It's literally getting in the dirt with them and, and trying to figure out what makes them tick as a pitcher. So not only just doing maybe more of those this year, but also expanding some ways into hitting. Hitting is also a science. In some ways, it's the most difficult science in all of sports. Uh, it, it's not as easy to break down of like there's not a slider version of a of a swing or something like that. But these guys are always working on their their bat path or their uh, you know their approach at the plate, what that looks like. There's many other ways we could get into the weeds with players on that as well. So I think one of the best opportunities that this job allows me is getting guys one-on-one and getting to talk to them. It's not just watching on video. It's hearing them break it down. I did something like that from the fielding side last year with St. on Rafaela at spring training, just taking video and having him take me through his thought process and physical process on making catches. I, I would like to expand that more and, and just get into the nitty gritty of baseball with guys and get their thoughts on what makes them such good prospects. Because, you know, that, Access to this stuff with data is better than ever, but nothing beats getting it from the person themselves. So uh, expanding that is going to be a goal of mine in 2024. All right, you guys, um, I have one silly resolution and we can save it for after our next contributor, if you would like. But I do have one fun one, which is kind of related to something that uh, that Sam actually posted on the Internet. Let's save that first. I like it because we're going to each do wild card. Oh yeah, we got a wild card resolution. So that could that could be your wild card resolution. Okay, good. I was going to use it. Yeah, yeah. I'll slot that in. Yeah, because it's very uh, fun. So we'll throw it next uh, to another member of the MILB.com slash MLB Pipeline team. Um, somebody we've worked with for a while now. Uh, I believe he's been on the show before. Uh, it's Rob Terranova, the bread man. Hi, I'm Rob Terranova, and I'm a writer and producer for MILB.com and MLB Pipeline. And my minor league baseball related New Year's resolution for 2024 is, and this is a big one, but you know what they say, shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, you're amongst the stars. So really hoping that's what happens here. But my resolution for 2024 is to accompany Ben Hill on one of his minor league road trips. I know, I know, big ask, who do I think I am? But I'm, I'm, I'm taking my shot this year. I know that his road trips are always really successful, really fun, really interesting. A lot of good stories come out of it. A lot of good friendships, relationships, history. There's just so much that uh, goes into minor league baseball, a lot of untold stories. Ben gets that opportunity. Of course, there's a designated eater element. I'm not putting my hat in the ring, but I'm also not doing that. So maybe that's something that we can discuss. But 2024, uh, one of Ben's Biz's epic minor league road trips. Sam, Ben, what do you say? Let's make it happen. Big thanks to Rob Terranova, who uh, has to ship us all bread. Rob, Rob's family, for those who don't know, they are the owners of Terranova Bakery at uh, Little Italy in the Bronx, Arthur Avenue uh, in New York City. And Rob, a couple years ago around the holidays, just sent me this giant bag of Terranova Bakery bread. And I have thought about it. He sent me like a loaf that had olives in it, and it was I used it with some like olive oil that we brought back from Italy. I've thought about it probably every day for the last like two years since Rob mailed me some bread. Uh, so in case you were wondering why why Ben called him the bread man, uh, he really is. It's a, legend, <laughs> it's a legendary place. Yeah. And he brings that bread to the office. And, you know, me having celiac disease, I can't eat it. And uh, 
It looks amazing. Everyone else around me raves about it. He said that, you know, his family looked into gluten-free uh, Terranova brand uh, bread, but they just couldn't get it quite right. Couldn't get it the level of quality that the uh, Terranova name implies, which I respect. But Yeah, that's kind of cool, go. actually. Get it to that level of quality, Rob, in the Terranovas. I want some gluten-free bread from your bakery in 2024. Bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus goal for somebody else. Yeah, for somebody else today. <laughs> Make it happen. Um, all right, you guys. So we go for our wild card uh, resolutions, and I am going to kick it off. And I'm I'm actually sort of worried that I'm stealing Sam's, but I don't think I am. I think this is more of a throwaway thing that you posted online, but it was a thought that I had had, and now I'm just going to make it all my own. My wild card resolution in 2024 is I would like for a minor league baseball team, in the spirit of the Pop-Tarts Bowl, to create an edible mascot, preferably for the show before the show night, uh, that the three of us can crush. Sam threw this out on uh, on Instagram the other day and said that he would dress up as an actual edible Montgomery biscuit if the Montgomery biscuits wanted to go that route. But there are so many different – look at all the food options that we have across minor league baseball now. I would – I'd go, you know – crush a, a edible garbage plate mascot i'd go you know do uh i need the asparagus in stockton i think there are so many ways that we could go with this yeah mr celery would be uh yeah mr celery not, yeah, we'd have to find the biggest celery in the land but now we, here's the question could we bring peanut butter to put on the celery so it's like actually delicious rather than just like oh this is just like weirdly congealed water yeah you can do whatever you want in this scenario i mean Blue cheese, peanut butter, Ooh, uh, whatever you want. Too. But, you know, I think the logistics of edible mascots are tougher than they look. I mean. Oh, yeah. I would imagine. That does not seem like an easy thing to just be able to to piece together. Uh, and I think the, you know, the team of scientists that the people at Pop-Tarts must have had working on that thing. Like, that, there's no way that that's easy. But that's not for us to figure out. I'm sure somebody in the Montgomery area has thought, what if I made a biscuit, but it was like human sized? Yeah, but then if a <laughs> human has to get in the, well, whatever. Yeah, there's just a little bit of Sam's yeah, just know. staring off into space trying to calculate this in his brain. <laughs> anyway, that's my wild card one. I want to eat a mascot now. I, I'm just trying to think like, would the biscuit be worn around the waist or would it be like flat? It like encompasses your body and people just hmm. come up and like, grab a piece of you while you're going around. Hmm. I don't know. I, I want to find out. I, I sincerely yeah. want to find out. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different ways we could go with this. Yeah. Or there's but, like the, the Corpus Christi honey chicken biscuits. It's all exciting. Oh yeah. The honey and butter chicken biscuits. Yeah. yeah. From Whataburger. Oh, butter. Very into that. I was going to say sponsors already involved in that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whataburger. Bigger biscuit. Yeah. I, I'm married and to a Texan have a now. She's, obs she's obsessed with honey butter chicken biscuits. My wife, my wife. So I, yeah, I would like to, I'd like to get in on that. That, yeah, this is something. Okay, okay, I'm making a list. I'm gonna make some power rankings of what the most delicious edible mascot would be. Uh, all right, Ben, you're up. All right, for a wild card, I mean, I'll move away from the world of minor league baseball or the professional realm. Um, but this has been on my mind lately. And again, I'm saying it out loud to make myself accountable because it's something I've thought about in the past doing. But I love the annual, you know, polar bear plunge at Coney Island. This year, Dykstra himself came by and was a uh, part of the group uh, that joined in. And um, 
it's just a fantastic experience getting in the water to start the year. It's frigid, but you feel just energetic and refreshed. And I live um, a short Q train ride from Coney Island. I live closer to Coney Island than I do, you know, to this office that I work in in Manhattan. Uh, So there's no reason I can't keep getting to Manhattan or to Coney Island uh, throughout the year, which I do for other occasions. Anyway, it's a long build up to say this. I'm going to get in the water at Coney Island once a month. I already did it in January, you know, with the polar bear plunge, but I'm getting in the water in February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. I mean, the summer months kind of speak for themselves, but just to have this kind of year long little set of experiences of just experiencing the water uh, through every month of the year sounds really appealing to me and just gets me out to the beach and in the cold water, in the cold weather months gives me that uh, energetic feeling. Although if I'm going alone in some of these scenarios, which I probably will, it's probably feels a little more grim than, than invigorating when you're all alone and just stripping down to a bathing suit in frigid weather and getting it in and there's no one to cheer you on, but I'll deal with that. I'm getting in the water. In 2024, every month of the year. And another little bonus I'll throw in real quick is, uh, you know, I've already told Sam this, but to beat Sam Dykster at Candlepin Bowling, for real, um, at the holiday party, there was a, they weren't regulation size, but there was these kind of portable Candlepin lane uh, at the holiday party. And we played a game and I did horrible and Sam did pretty well, you know, as a Massachusetts guy, it's a Massachusetts thing. Uh, then over the Christmas break, I got to go candle pin bowling uh, in Massachusetts because uh, Jill, my fiance, is from that part of the area. And I, again, did not do well, but I just love everything about it. I've always loved, you know, quote unquote, normal bowling my whole life. Uh, I found that the skills from normal bowling to candle pin do not translate, but I really enjoy candle pin bowling and um, I want to beat Sam. So first of all, we have to make a plan to actually go candle pin bowling at least once. It's a little tricky. I don't know what the closest one is in uh, New York City. That's what but, I was going to ask. Is there like an accessible one nearby? Yeah, I don't know. We're going to look into this. And even if it's a little road trip, um, at least once, uh, Sam and I. I feel like there's got to be one in like the Hudson Valley or something like that. You can go we'll to like a Renegades good. game and do some candle yeah. pin bowling. We will look around, but uh, I'm willing to uh, you know make the effort. And I hope Sam is as well. Um, too many I, duck pin. There's a lot of wait. duck pin bowling places in Southwest Connecticut. We're gonna what? We're gonna what is go duck get, pin bowling? Duck pin is a little bit different. Duck pin is fatter pins, um, but not as fat as like normal bowling. No, but fatter than candle pin bowling. Candle pin, candle pins like it's like a candle. That's oh, what it literally is like a tube. Duck pin is a little bit fatter, but also flat. Uh, and then regular bowling has the the curves to it. Um. We'll figure this out. I want it, I want this to happen so desperately. Huh. Huh. Um, to have me win? No. The, the, I want this matchup to happen. I yeah. want this humbling. The humbling of Hill happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been humbled. I was humbled at the Christmas party. I was humbled when I went on my own. And the humblings will Hill. continue yeah. in 2024. It's rough. I'm like, oh, man, I just got a one and only hit one on the far right side of the lane. So now adjust. And then I would hit just one on the left side of the lane. I was like, dude, come on. Let's go. It's frustrating. Um, anyway. Not to go on a whole candle pin tangent, but it speaks to my core sensibilities, a game like that, that I just, I find it appealing and uh, we'll make it happen. All right, Samuel, your final resolution, the wild card pick for 2024. Yeah, the wild card pick. And I think, I think this ties in a little bit um, or I'm going to make it tie in anyways, uh, you know, as in my job as a reporter, writer, journalist, podcast, whatever 
what I'm always trying to do is, is tell stories, even if it's through prospect rankings. Um, and I think the medium that's really spoken to me the last few years uh, has been movies. I, I love going to the movies. I'm going to the movies tonight. This is actually the third straight night I'm, I'm going to the movies, trying to catch up for Oscar season. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that came out late in 2023, so I'm still catching up. I'm going to see Iron Claw tonight. Uh, very excited to do that. My goal is going to be to see 50 new movies uh, in 2024. Not just like a movie a week. Movie a week, yeah. So yeah. it's it's doable. There there are certain parts of the year where that's not doable, but uh, not a lot will be coming out or something interesting. But 50, 50 new movies, not just like things I've never seen before, but movies that are coming out in 2024. Oh, so not this does not count. Like you could just go back on you know, the Turner classic movies app and find a, a classic that you've never seen. This is all new releases, new releases. Does this mean in the theater, 50 movies in the theater? It, it can be, if something's released on Netflix, I'll, I'll count it. Um, but it has to be something new. Okay. And I want it to like be researched and not just like, Hey, Netflix dropped a new movie on Fridays. Like they sometimes do. And it's a random thing. And I'm doing this for an hour and a half just to check it off a list. I want it to be interested in it some way, whether that's expanding to foreign movies, which you know can be obviously great. Um, one of my favorite movies last year was The Taste of Things, which was a French movie. Um, it's about edible mascots. It's about edible, it's about edible mascots in some ways. <laughs> sure. uh, I saw Godzilla Minus One this week. That's a Japanese movie, uh, completely in Japanese. So, How was that? I heard that's awesome. It's very good. It's that's really heard. It's, uh I love the message of it. Um, it lost me a little bit at the very tail end, but uh, we can the talk tail about tail end. <laughs> tail end. Still yeah. large tail. Yeah, it's I a very, it. very large tail. I uh, get it, Sam. But I, I love what it did. It makes you focus on the people and not the the roaring monster, which is not usually how those movies go. Um, so yeah, just expand that. And I think by doing that, and here's where it ties in, it's you're just opening yourself up to different modes of storytelling and and what people are focusing on in 2024 what are the themes people seem to be drawn to um and you know turn that into my own writing and try to see like what's sticking what i like that's working out there in movies what i don't like and uh bring it back you know to the to the regular nine to five this is all leading towards prospect rankings the movie the prospect rankings the movie which would be actually pretty boring i think i don't know if we could do a money ball shots of sam sitting in his apartment like hmm yeah look at his ops plus the clip of jonah hill just being like so do you guys think this guy's fifth or sixth in your organization and (laughs) when they say fifth and that's what i had down i just do the fist bump that's what that would look like yeah just get aaron sorkin or somebody like that get a little little crisp dialogue yeah deadline when uh fast moving dialogue overall prospect in the the blue jay system and i finally get one who i like and i just celebrate around the office and look like a lunatic on august 1st sure let's go with that (laughs) um well those are uh those are some good ones and uh we also have a whole bunch of contributions from loyal the show before the show listeners and fans but we also have one from uh a gentleman who you all know and love and recognize uh, as Josh Jackson, the voice of Ghosts of the Miners, is he our last one? He is. Yes, yes. How okay. we always end with Josh? It's we a, do. We have to. We have to wrap it up with Josh because we also have Ghosts of the Miners. But you're going to hear that a little while later. Uh, but Josh Jackson, he, the legend himself. 
This is Josh Jackson, host of Ghosts of the Miners, and my resolution for the 24 season is to not sleep on those San Francisco Seals. In 22, I predicted the Los Angeles Angels would win the PCL title, and of course, Dots Miller's San Francisco Club took the pennant. And last year, I went with Harry Wolverton's Seattle team, but the Seals pulled it off again. So my minor league prediction for 19 and 24 is that San Francisco seals a three-peat out on the coast. The year 24 might not be the same 24 that we're living, but they were resolutions for the year 24 from Josh Jackson. Uh, it's tumultuous time in Josh Jackson's world, obviously. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the blame for that. I, when I sent around the email looking for submissions, I did say 24, and Josh took that in the way that only Josh can. So he he fit the assignment. It was the assignment giver that that screwed up there. So, That's, but I, no. I'm grateful for Josh. Like that, we'll see if if that comes through for the San Francisco Seals in the year of 24. Yeah, I think it's a it's you know it's a bold some bold slate to lay out uh, for this new year. And uh, so with that, we we have heard from those who you know and those who you uh, are familiar with from the podcast. And it's time to hear from all of you as well as the 2024 uh, minor league baseball season is upon us. Sam, uh, Ben, we got a whole bunch of contributions from listeners and uh, obviously from people who follow you guys on social media and such. Um, ben, where are we going? What's the what's the easiest and best and brightest way to kick off our listener slash follower resolutions? Yeah, well, let's start. You know, Sam was mocking me because I printed these out. He's like, oh, wow, print it out like an old man. Um, but yeah, I haven't printed out and right at the top. Oh, dictator Dykstrom. Yeah, exactly. Um, he shamed me for just not using a screen like all the younger generation does, but I have printed out right here and right here on top is uh, Paul Caputo, who uh, has appeared on this podcast uh, when we highlighted, you know, listeners of the show. Uh, he is the host of the uh, Baseball by Design podcast, um, you know, big logo head, uh, minor league logo fan and chronicler. And also, especially if you follow him on Twitter, um, he is a baseball minor league baseball ice cream helmet uh sunday enthusiast and has a huge uh collection of ice cream helmets so he said my goal this year is to try at least 20 different flavors of ice cream in helmets of course at different minor league baseball ballparks and then i wrote back and said okay 20 different flavors does this mean you can only do one flavor at a time you have to hit 20 ballparks to do this and he said no for instance, if the Corpus Christi Hooks serve two flavors and one helmet on opening day, I'm twenty, I'm ten percent of the way there. But importantly, if a ballpark only has chocolate and vanilla, and I've already had those earlier in the season, I don't cross any off the list that day. So I need to take advantage of any unusual flavors I come across when I find them. And I'd say, Paul, you sure do. Um, <laughs> I don't pay attention to ice cream at ballparks like a ton, but you usually don't find a, you know, Baskin Robbins type array. It's usually the basics. So. Uh, whenever you go someplace that deviates beyond vanilla, chocolate, maybe strawberry, you really need to to pounce on that. I'm a cookies and cream guy. You can find that. some cookies and cream in a yeah. Minor, you probably could. Where are we counting Dippin' Dots as ice cream? You know that was going to be my follow up to the follow up, and I didn't. But I don't think we're counting Dippin' Dots here. I, it, I don't think it's part of the Paul Caputo brand. Yeah, it's no. like its own specific brand. I feel like Paul sticks with tried and true. You know. The uh, scoop or sauce. Yeah. Dippin' Dots would just be a great way of knocking off some flavors, though. So if you're like at 17, come late August, I, w- I would consider changing. That's true. That's true. I, w- I, w- I want uh, updates on this, Paul. 
Do they still call it ice cream of the future? Have they finally? I feel like Dippin' Dots has made a pretty successful maneuver to where now everybody calls it Dippin' Dots. Because for so long, it was just known as ice cream of the future. And then it became Dippin' Dots. Do they even have that branding anymore? I'm not sure. I still associate it with that tagline. Yeah, same. At a certain point, you have to if you have to say when's this future that Dippin' Dots have replaced ice cream. Well, that's the great thing. Is right, that exactly. Like I, I remember seeing it labeled as ice cream of the future at like the first Rockies games I ever went to in 1993. Like that's you know when was the if you would have asked me back then when is the future I'd have been like well in the 2000s obviously so now it's just Dippin' Dots now we're living in the future maybe we should call other ice cream the ice cream of the past. Hmm. I'm gonna sit on that one. I'm trying to think of like what harder ice cream would be versus soft serve ice cream versus. That's true. It's the evolution yeah. of ice cream. Uh, all right, Ben, who's up next? Uh, no, no, Sam, you want to take one here? Yeah, I'll take one. Uh, this one comes from Twitter at Grizzly Fanatic. Uh, so you can guess where this is going, but uh, their goal for 2024 is to see one of the Southern California League teams when the Grizzlies are in town. That would be the Fresno Grizzlies, of course. I've seen all the Northern ones, plus the Rawhide from Visalia. I want to hit at least one more California League team this year. So the teams in the South, Inland Empire 66ers, Lake Elsinore Storm, Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, and Visalia Rawhide, which we already said they've knocked off. So either Inland Empire Lake Elsinore or Rancho Cucamonga go down to see them when Fresno is playing there. I love that because it's obtainable, but it's something new at the same time. And and I'm sure for a lot of folks out there listening, there's a minor league team kind of near you uh, that you want to see. So go out and get like make your plan now. Pick pick the weekend to go see them. That's the great thing about the six day schedule is that you can kind of plan this stuff out well in advance, and you know that team will be in town for a while. Um, but Start start your plans now. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And and in Fresno, you know, they're still relatively new to the California League after so many years in the PCL. So that did give their fans as much as it was frustrating or disappointing, you know, to to drop several levels of play. You know, it did open up that kind of opportunity of visiting uh, new places and seeing places in the California League. So um, that's a great one from the Grizzly Fanatic, but a great one, like Sam said, for people to apply to uh, whatever their own local minor league team is and travel outward from there. All right, y'all. Well, I have one uh, from a contributor who is a uh, a fan after my own heart. He is uh, at X Dan Brown. I'm assuming on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, and Dan says, "quote I collect MILB hats when I'm out of town working. I want to add another 15 hats to the collection in 2020." That is my kind of minor league baseball fan. Uh, at X Dan Brown, if you uh, if you do add those fifteen, uh, please uh, send them to us because I would love to know about the trips and the hats and what made you buy them and all that. Are you a fitted guy? Are you a a dad hat kind of guy? I want to know all these details. Yeah, and I believe that was Instagram, even though I failed to mark it on the sheet. I think. Oh, okay, even better. That's perfect. Then find me on there at Tyler Mon PXP and send me a picture of the hat. I want to I want to see the the hat collection. Yeah, and that means there'll be a lot of travel for the ex Dan Brown in 2024 because he says he does this when he's out of town working. So to add 15 hats to the collection means quite a quite a lot of out of town work uh, to to get that many hats. But stay in touch with Tyler, ex Dan Brown. Do you think that's the Da Vinci Code author? No, it, <laughs> yeah. Well, it used to be. <laughs> now he's ex Dan Brown. <laughs> he's not Dan Brown anymore. Um, we got so many good submissions. Ben, you want to take another one? Yeah, I'll grab one. Um, 
Well, I'll take one here. I added a little parenthetical, but I think it's one that we would have maybe skipped over, except I was able to discern the context. Uh, Alan Moody on Instagram wrote, to give out more golden sombreros for the walk of shame in Hickory. And so if you just see that, you're like, uh, what? But I happen to know Alan because when I visited Hickory in 2021, I believe, and he was one of the primary members of a rooting section um, at Hickory Crawdads games. It's led by Mega Man, and it's Mega Man and his minions. So Alan Moody is one of the, I guess, head minions in the Mega Man and his minions rooting section. And so one of the things they do is, uh, you know, they have a walk of shame chant and signs and cheers, you know, for guys who strike out and um, opposing players who strike out and uh, the golden sombrero. You know, he wants to see more of that guys getting the golden sombrero and doing their walk of shame back to the visitors dugout as they root for their hickory crawdads. So just love uh, fan enthusiasm and all the rituals and routines that hardcore fans add to make their experience more fun. And you definitely can find that at hickory crawdads games with mega man and his minions and guys like Alan Moody. That is really cool. Hickory is a place that I would very much like to go see a game as well uh, in 2024 or beyond. Uh, I'd join in on that. I'd join in and yelling some, uh, you know, at least constructive and playful cheering things. At, uh, yeah, you got to uh, keep it light. Yeah, got to keep it light and fun. Yeah. One fact about Hickory is the ballpark was built across two different counties, and one of the counties was like a dry county. And so they had to get some special dispensation initially to sell beer on that side of the ballpark. It oh, man, that is amazing. I honestly thought you were going to say, like, they can only sell beer from, like, you know, midway down the first baseline over to the third baseline. Well, I think if they hadn't gotten this special permission, that's what it would have been. Is like, nope, you <laughs> crossed the dry county of the ballpark. And yeah. one of the clubhouses, there's no beer allowed. Yeah, exactly. They would have to mow the, the outfield, like, one pattern at the county line and another pattern at the other county line. Just... Behind section 202, something like that. That would be amazing. Um, I want to jump in and grab this one real quick because it's from at Leroyd. And it is uh, to meet at Ben's Biz and be a designated eater. I would like to do those things too. I think being a designated eater would be fine. I mean, I've met Ben before. I think it'd be super fun to be a designated eater. Yeah, I love when people have enthusiasm for it. Tyler, the job is yours when we next uh, cross paths at a ballpark. Yeah, I like Uh, that idea. Leroy, uh, Leroy David um, is a Sacramento area guy, and he has um, you know been a great follower of um, you know my work, but also all of us together. The show before the show, uh, great artist. Uh, when I came out with the initial set of uh, you know Ben's Biz insert cards uh, in the Tops Pro debut a number of years back, uh, he took the time to track down everyone in that set and get autographs, and he did you know some of his own artwork based on those and. Um, He's done artwork for the San Francisco Giants. Um, anyway, very uh, engaged and kind uh, minor league baseball fan who I do want to cross paths with on the road and good reason to get back to Sacramento. All right, Sam, our last fan contribution of our 2024 resolutions episode. The honor is yours. Yeah, this one comes from at Mapping the Path. Uh, my mill themed goal is to do my most ambitious road trip yet with my dad. 22 ballparks in 22 days across the eastern Midwest. That's Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, including all 14 minor league teams in those states, plus collegiate and indie ballparks and the Cubs. Uh, the trip starts June 15th. I love that. That sounds awesome. That, the fact that it's most ambitious road trip yet. I, I would hope so. Well, 22 ballparks in 22 days. 
Yeah, I can't remember his name, but at Mapping the Path has done this trip with his dad or variations of it for several years in a row and goes real deep on uh, documenting it, you know, putting the itinerary together. Um, so follow him on Twitter, Mapping the Path. But yeah, this will be the most ambitious yet. It's like kind of a Midwest trip this year and uh, starts with the Chicago Dogs and looking at the itinerary against the former Midwest League Kane County Cougars. But now that's the independent is it Frontier League. Believe so. Yes, I believe so. Uh, I also would just like to randomly point out, uh, I was in in Mexico last month and they had a, an entire channel there that was just a baseball channel. It was not MLB Network, it was just a baseball channel. But at one point, I flipped past a game and I was like, is this the Kane County Cougars on Baseball Latino right now? And it was, and I have no idea how that happened, but it was pretty amazing to see. Yeah, and Amer- Sam just looked it up. We were wrong. American Association. Not League, American Association, yeah. Those two have such uh, similar footprints uh, or have traditionally historically, um, you know, it's an easy, easy mistake for us to make. Uh, we got some great other resolutions in there. Some really cool stuff, uh, you know, from fans who want to explore more in minor league baseball. Um, one guy, Brad Queso, Brad underscore Queso on Instagram uh, said he wants to praise lesser known players more. Great stories that don't get love because players aren't prospects necessarily. Uh, one person responded and said, remind myself that not every team Team can have Francisco Alvarez and I should enjoy every second. I agree. I think that's very cool. It's not exactly prospect related anymore now that he's graduated, but it's very cool. Um, pretty neat to see people laying out some uh, some very admirable goals in 2024. Yeah, Eric the peanut guy, Eric Mertens with the Tri-City yeah. Dust Devils, longtime friend of the show. You know, he said one of his goals is to uh, not miss a single Tri-City Dust Devils game. I mean, he's been the on-field MC slash peanut vendor for since the beginning of the franchise, but um, he said only twice has he not missed a single game, and that's a goal for this year. And, you know, that's harder than ever once they went to full season, you know, in 2021. So that's a lot of games to uh, have a perfect attendance record. But, Eric, if there's one person who can attend every Tri-City Dust Devils game, it'd be you, a man who has his own life-size bobblehead on the concourse of the stadium in which you work. Uh, you can get to every game. So in some ways, he does attend. Yeah, so game. he's always there. there. Yeah, yeah I right. Mean, really, he doesn't you can always see there. Eric in, in one form or another. And we just to loop back to what Tyler was saying earlier, uh, that bobblehead of Eric is not edible. So please, please leave the bobblehead. No, he is not an edible man. Yeah. But it would be if he was made out of peanuts. He calls himself Eric the peanut guy. If it was made out of peanuts, how fitting would that be? You know, you're right. The wheels are spinning. You know, we're, things are in motion. We'll make this happen somehow. <laughs> All right, you guys. Uh, well, we heard from our good pal Josh Jackson from 1924 just a little while ago. And now it is once more time to hear from our good pal Josh Jackson, who swings by for Ghosts of the Miners next. We interrupt this podcast to bring you another thrilling edition of Ghosts of the Miners. Now, here's your correspondent and host, Joshua Jackson. Welcome back to Ghosts of the Miners, in which all of you out there in Radio Land must identify the legitimate historical ball club or player hiding amidst the fraudulent pair. One once tried to pile up W's all season long. The others never won or lost a single game. In the last segment, I asked you which of the following minor league baseball teams did at one time exist. A. The Lancaster Fultons. B. The Pawtucket Slaters. 
See the Dearborn Buicks. There's no need to clear the slate if you picked B, the Pawtucket Slaters, who are an affiliate of the Boston Braves in the New England League in the late 1940s. The club was named for Industrial Revolution-era industrialist, or, if you prefer, Industrial Revolutionist, Samuel Slater, who, in 1793, partnered with Moses Brown to open the Slater Mill in Pawtucket, spinning a new course for the American textile industry. The Slaters of the Diamond suited up for their inaugural season right along with the rebirth of the New England League. Once a staple of late 19th century pro ball and a circuit that existed intermittently in various forms of professionalism into the start of World War II. When those guns across the globe fell silent, the miners began to boom in 1946. The New England League was back and Pawtucket had its first miners team since the 1915 Pawtucket Rovers roved around the outlaw Colonial League. The textile industry inspired Slaters were cut from a different cloth than those old Rovers who were 37 and 57 in their last season. The new team in 46 reeled off four straight years of winning records and playoff appearances, collecting a pile of victories so big that Ma didn't know what to do with it except have Pa tuck it into a trophy case. The clean slate Slaters of 46 went 70 and 54, but as the Sporting News reported, they did take a big loss on August 8th when the United States' Veterans Administration's office in Boston ruled that minor league ball players in the Braves and other systems were employees, not trainees of a big league club, which meant eight Pawtucket players who had served in the war were the first batch of minor leaguers to lose their GI Bill funded on-the-job training pay. That financial setback didn't stop the Slaters from hitting taters. Yes, the Slaters were regular old run platers, getting great hitting from shortstop Jimmy Coughlin. Coughlin, whose draft card lists him at five feet seven and a half inches, and whom newspapers never failed to describe as physically small, made a big impact with Pawtucket. By the time he'd arrived with the team, he was a veteran in two senses. Jimmy was inducted into the Army in November of 42. But by that point, he'd already played a couple seasons with Boston affiliates in the Pony League and the 3i League. Come the 46th postseason, not the experience of 137-pound Jimmy Coughlin nor the full weight of the Slater's roster could contend with Nashua, New Hampshire's Dodgers, who were managed by Walter Alston and headlined by integrating legends in the making Roy Campanella and Don Newcomb. There's no shame in taking a playoff loss to a great club, but the Slaters might have etched that lesson too firmly. Pawtucket lost to Nashua again in the first round of the 47 playoffs, then again in the first round of the 48 playoffs. In 49, the Slaters got a triple crown campaign from outfielder Bob Montag and finally didn't lose to the Dodgers in the postseason. But that's only because they didn't play them. Instead, the Springfield Cubs gobbled them up. During that 49 season, though, the New England League began to fall apart, losing the Providence Grays, Manchester Yankees, the Fall River Indians, and the Lynn Tigers by the end of July. When 1950 came around, the New England League didn't. And that's how the Slaters were wiped clean. Now, on to the question for next time. Which of these players did his best to stay grounded in the minors of yesteryear? A. Edward Worm. B. Edward Edgehog. C. Edward Diggins. Want to know the answer? Go soil yourself. Or, tune in for the next, Ghost of the Miners.
But for now, you'll have to excuse me. My producer, Van Halen, is still ringing in the new year, and I've got to hide his bell. Final segment of this week's first 2024 edition of the Show Before the Show podcast. Uh, we got nothing. Goodbye. We got a whole season no. ahead. I mean, we have a whole year ahead now. That's, we do. Yeah. Yeah. It is well, kind of nice. When we logged in, Ben and I were talking about like, oh, the first week in January is like such a, like, once, honestly, once Christmas, when I'm done eating food on Christmas, I'm like, oh, cool. Now I just get to be miserable until opening day. But really, you know, pitchers and catchers report in just over a month. Uh, yeah, we're, we're gearing up. We got a whole year of baseball in, in pretty short order. It'll come up before we know it, and I'll have that sense of uh, anticipation and anxiety <laughs> before before you know it. But, you know, we have nothing really for the final segment, but one thing I wanted to suggest, you know, Sam, the human jukebox Dykstra, I, I would like the final segment just to be a weekly sing-a-song with Sam Dykstra, where audiences, or our audience, our listeners, suggest a song, and then... I wish everybody could see Sam's face right now. Sam sings it to end the podcast, because he knows... Pretty much the Great American Songbook, and and then some. Where are you getting this? And from? he has. I've wonder- never like sang in front of you in my life. He's a wonderful singing voice, and it's uh, mellifluous. Yeah, very mellifluous. Yeah. Can you give us a little sample? No, I can't because I'm a not little, prepared. This a little week. sample. If it's from inside Lewin Davis, wouldn't you belt it out? Yes, I would. But uh, that's you know, <laughs> if people want to put in requests for uh, yes! Oscar Isaac songs from yes! Coen Brothers movies, we can do that. But okay, don't yeah, think that we won't have people do it. I just, I, and yeah, I've never heard you sing. I've never been in a choir. I didn't, I did band over chorus in high school. This is going to be a, I, I, I will say we might get some, some suits out of this because uh, people might hear it and be like, you butchered the song so poorly that I have no choice but to sue for you singing my song <laughs> on it, on a podcast. But you know, that's all right. That's the danger we'll, we'll take. Sam, I just want you to know that Tony Braxton was discovered while uh, pumping gas at a at a gas station, she was singing to herself, and a record executive heard her and was like, "Your voice is incredible." And then she became literally Tony Braxton. So just because you haven't been in a choir, just because this hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean that this is not the launching pad for the next stage of your career. I that is a very nice story. Thank you, Tony Braxton, on all of us. Are welcome. I am no Tony Braxton. <laughs> Not with that attitude, Sam. Yeah. Jeez yeah. Louise. Uh, so get in touch with all the songs that, that you would like to hear <laughs> Sam sing. Maybe Ben can join in, do a little harmony. Um, but I think it's a good way for us, for us to close every episode. Ben can be the guy in like Crash Test Dummies that goes, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great song. Listen to that song if you haven't heard for a while. The lyrics are deeply bizarre. Or you can be so vague. weird. The guy in Mighty Mighty Boston's who his only job is to dance. Yeah, I can handle that job. Rash about. See, we're going up with new things are percolating here on the show before the show podcast. We're gonna cross a bunch of brave new frontiers in 2024. And uh for those dudes in New York City and the rest of our staff, huge thanks everybody for stopping by. Uh for Benjamin Hill, Sam Dykstra, Josh Jackson, and all the rest. My name is Tyler Mon. Happy New Year. We'll catch you next week. Quiet, Eddie. Well, shh.